to. This is The Week Ahead, brought to you by Advisorpedia and powered by Tomatica Research. I'm Chris Versace, Tomatica's Chief Investment Officer, and joining me to break down the last week and the coming week, to put it all into perspective for you, is my pal, Lenore Hawkins, Tomatica's Chief Macro Strategist. Lenore? Hey there. First off, how about we look at what happened with the end of the first quarter of 2021? How about we, let's do that. Let's jump right into it. I know we got a lot to cover and even though it's a holiday week, so let's go. Okay. So the first quarter of 2021, it closed. It was a positive week for the U.S., but just like the majority of the days, it didn't really end on a positive note. The S&P 500 did finish the day in positive territory, but a last hour set off like we've been seeing all along this quarter clipped the games pretty solidly. So when you look over the quarter, how weak has the last hour of trading really been? Well, throughout the first quarter, despite the S&P trading higher on 54% of all trading days, the last hour of trading was only positive 31% of the time. Kind of an interesting trend. So how, how do we finish up with a quarter? And I, I think it's going to be very different um, than what we yeah. saw in 2020. If I setting the stage, 2020 was, I mean, arguably all about the NASDAQ. And that's very yeah. different this time around. Big tech. It was all big tech. And Q1, mm, not so much. Q1 saw the return of the small guy with the Russell 2000 gaining 12.4% in the first quarter. In comparison, the NASDAQ composite was only up 2.8%. The Russell did so well that its one-year change is up nearly 100%, but the NASDAQ composite is still pretty good in there. It's up 73.4% over the past year. Uh, The S&P 500 in the first quarter gained just shy of 6%, and for the whole year, the S&P 500 is up about 56%. Now, what I think really interesting, if you look at the equal weight versus mm-hmm. the equal weight S&P versus the market cap weight, which the, the when you look at the S&P, that's just standard S&P, it's actually market cap weighted. Right. And when, if you look at the equal weight, right? So that's going to take, it's going to dilute those really small or sorry, those really big names. They're not going to have as much of an impact on returns and names that you don't really think about that much. Those are the, those guys will have more of an impact in the first quarter. The equal weight was actually much stronger than the market cap weight S and P it was up 11%, whereas the market cap weight was up only 5.8%. So does that, does really that, does with what we saw with the NASDAQ, right? NASDAQ it, versus the Russell, because the NASDAQ was seeing a lot of those big high flyers. Does that, does that tell you that the move in the market, therefore, was a little more broad based, based on the equal weight? Yeah, it was less led by those big names, the fang socks that, you know, that we all heard about that are, are were on such a tear. We're now starting to see the, the little guys starting to perform. Well, why don't we shift into sectors and kind of dig a little deeper into that? Why don't you tell us who were the high flyers? And then let's talk about just for a second, who might be, which sectors might be poised to do a little better in this new quarter? Yeah. Um, The big winner, hands down, was energy up just under 30%. Financials, obviously, you've got rising interest rates. Financials are going to do well, but they did about half as good as energy, they were up 15.4%. And then industrials, well, everything's starting to open up. We're hearing all about manufacturing being so strong. That was up 11%. Whereas the weakest sectors were consumer staples, 
not a huge surprise of half a percent infotech big surprise because that infotech right that took a completely switched instead of being the leader now it's a laggard up 1.7 and utilities actually beat tech up 1.9 percent <laughs> but well, obviously utilities are going to get hit with interest rates right Right. So, I, you know, I, I think to, just to put some of it in perspective, I think energy, there were, there were potentially some one-time items in there during yeah. the quarter that helped pop it up. Same thing with financials. I agree with you with rising interest rates, but remember too, the Fed is allowing banks and other financial institutions to reinstitute dividends and buybacks yeah. come June. So they're, they're trading up on that excitement. Uh, consumer staples, I, I think that as the Biden stimulus or relief payments hit, I think we'll see that pick up a little bit. I agree with you 100% on information tech. And I, I think some of that is um, part of the re the negative side of the reopening trade, where some of the darlings of last year, your Zooms yeah, exactly. example, are kind of giving back. And utilities, you know, other than that one week of uh, severe February winter storms, it's been a relatively mild winter. It has. And with that combined with rising rates, that's not going to be good for the utilities. No. Okay. What I did find, though, kind of a big macro picture that's interesting is to see what's going on with the U.S. dollar. Right now, the U.S. dollar has actually been gaining strength, and that is a double headwind for emerging markets. Because with the U.S. dollar gaining in strength and rates going up, that's a double headwind for those emerging markets. And so those guys, we've been waiting to see that because eventually EM, they've been struggling for so long. That's going to be a great investment, but not yet. So one of the things that we've noticed too over the last couple of months is the stock market has, you know, powered ahead coming out of the early stages of the pandemic is smaller investors are kind of, you know, wanting to get, once again, be back in the market, yeah. you know, and, and while some of us would say, oh, that's, you know, that can be a sign of a top. Um, you know, there's even talk about, you know, taking pieces of the relief checks and sticking it right in the market. Um, but there's another gauge to watch. And I, I know it's one that you, you've been talking about, which is options activity. Yeah, what's really interesting to see is that options volume over the past 18 months was something we've never seen before. It was mostly all about call purchases. And most of this was buying by small investors. And that's thanks to a lot of easier ways for just average Joe to get involved in trading. That's, you know, we heard a lot of that with what was going on with GameStop, right? But that boom in option trading has really been faded with total options volumes about half of what they were at the peak. And that has had a really interesting impact on the VIX because as the volume of options falls this dramatically, the VIX has been falling as well. And that's if you kept everything else equal, if you really drop the volume of options trading, it has an impact on the VIX. So that's something to keep in mind, noting that the VIX dropped significantly this past quarter. No, it did. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think from a fundamental perspective, we, we can attribute that a little bit to uh, rising vaccines, a little more yeah. comfort with the reopening. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see how that pans out coming out of the Easter holiday weekend, which, you know, in some parts could be another gathering, i.e. super spreader event, uh, which, as you know, given where you are, lockdowns are still a thing. Yes, over here in Italy, we are still in draconian lockdowns, good times. So. <laughs> well, let's, let, let, let's quickly talk about some Speaking of the- Speaking of lockdowns and athleisure wear, <laughs> how about <laughs> talking about 
earnings from last week. <laughs> well, we could do that. I, I think you're kind of uh, hitting on Lululemon. So we'll, we'll, we'll start with that. Uh, no surprise. They, they had a wonderful quarter. Uh, directed consumer net revenues increased 94% year over year. That's just over half of their net revenue for the quarter, uh, up from about a, almost a third a year ago. So, you know, clearly benefiting from that shift to digital commerce. But what I think was far more interesting is what's going on with their mirror strategy. And the mirror is literally just that. It's a mirror that you use to do interactive workouts with. And some, just some of the quick tidbits here, and I'll, I'll save the real juicy one for last. Um, you know, they are counting on this to be a, a big contributor or a bigger contributor. Uh, they're seeing revenues grow 50 to 65% year over year to roughly 250, 275 million. So a big investment with a big payoff for them. They do not think that the workout from home trend is going to end anytime soon, so much so that they're adding more production studios, they're adding more classes, more instructors, uh, and they've added two interesting features. One is the community camera feature, so people who are working out can see the instructor during the workout. Interesting, but not as interesting as this one, which they call the face-off feature, which means that two people working out can go head-to-head -head in a class. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was on a, when I would be on a treadmill, I would pick someone out around me who was working out and I would be like, I'm going to catch that person. So it, this it just screams to me, a major growing pull for me. Cause you just do not want me to face off against another person and have to compete because I'm going to push it way too hard. But it's interesting. They're doing that. Cause that's a lot of what we've seen with a lot of these work at home. What I want to know though, is them versus, uh, Oh, what is it? Um, Tonal, right? Tonal mm -hmm. private company. They just uh, closed another round of funding. It'll be really interesting. So we don't have as much information on Tonal given that it's private, but it'll be interesting to see how those two go head to head because Tonal also is similar. It's got the mirror, but what Tonal adds is two pulley arms where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you've got like, you can basically do pretty much any kind of exercise you want. And it is able to give you weights on those arms. Right electronically right not with actually a weight stack so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where these go because the mirror is a bit more of an aerobic kind of a thing versus tonal is more weight so one of the things i like about this and it's not something that we've actually discussed in public but here it is um i love all these machines for the simple reason that the amount of data that they are going to collect and share and put across the network is going to be huge and that that sits right in line with our digital infrastructure and connectivity index. So, but, so I, I think it's yeah. great. Um, the, one, the one thing we know is that while you, we don't know which one of these is gonna end up being the killer thing in like three years, what we do know is they all mean more and more data. Correct. All right, let's let let's keep moving. Um, online pet supplier Chewy again crushed it. Just like we were saying with the Lululemon, it's the accelerated shift towards digital shopping. Just another, excuse me, another proof point. But I can attest to this as an owner of three dogs. Uh, the auto ship customer is where it's at. Um, sales were up forty six percent year over year to one point four billion. That's roughly sixty eight percent is auto ship. So to use that language. Um, from other industries, that's a huge percentage of recurring revenue, either every month or every quarter, depending if you're getting food, pet supplies, or something else. So that's that's just huge. Um, circling and back, I, to I understand that maybe going forward, PayPal is going to help you pay for those 
toys, maybe use them a little crypto. Uh, that is absolutely true. They're added, they added checkout with crypto, which will automatically appear in your PayPal wallet if you want to use cryptocurrencies and it'll automatically convert the cryptocurrency holdings to fiat currency at checkout, which is pretty slick. Um, you know, we're, that, that was one of the huge pushes that we saw um, regarding crypto. Visa also announced it will allow the use of cryptocurrency, uh, the USD coin to settle transactions on its payment network as well. And for those who may not have heard of the USD coin, it's a stable coin cryptocurrency whose value is pegged directly to the US dollar. Now, Lenore, talk to me a little bit about what Micron is saying. And then I want to talk about US silica on the inflation front, just because I, I, I think what, silica, what US silica announced really speaks to what's been fanning the flames of inflation and helping prop the tenure up uh, over the last several weeks. Well, Microsoft had Micron had better than expected uh, earnings. Their both their EPS and their revenue rose thirty percent year over year. Um, that was matching consensus forecast. Uh, their DRAM revenue jumped forty four percent year over year. Mm -hmm. While the NAMD revenue rose nine percent, and the company noted that the this is I think where you're going with the yep. section driven by artificial intelligence and 5G, as well as, quote, innovation across the data center and intelligence edge. Absolutely right. I love it. I, I realize it's a little uh, patting ourselves on the back for the digital infrastructure product, but, you know, if we can't do it here, where can, <laughs> where, where can we do it? The other thing that we heard last week was more uh, auto shutdowns. Uh, Ford, once again, touting that it, its production lines and in its profits are going to be impacted by the automotive uh, chip shortage, but that's actually, again, positive. Last week, we talked about the big exactly. move that Intel was making, uh, $20 billion. And then this week, um, Taiwan Semiconductor says it's gonna spend, get this, $100 billion with the B dollars over the next three years to expand its chip fabrication capacity. And I love it, again, not, not to be self-serving, but this is what Taiwan Semiconductor said, quote, we are entering a period of higher growth as the multi-year mega trends of 5G and high performance computing are expected to fuel strong demand for our semiconductor technologies in the next several years. So I, I just- Data, 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 baby. I, <laughs> I simply love those proof points. All right, talk to us, strap on your economist hat, US silica and what it means. U.S. silica and what it means? Yep. So they announced um, because of ongoing and significant inflationary pressures from raw materials, packaging, logistics, and maintenance expenses, they announced a price increase beginning on May 1st for some of their products up to 15%. Now, what do, what do you think about that? Demand skyrocketing. Prices are going to go up. I'm right. not calling it. No, not, call, you, I'm not there. I'm not calling it inflation. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So that was last week. This week, uh, we get uh, after the Easter holiday, what do we have? Well, we've got Greenbrier, which is rail car manufacturer. We're going to see uh, what really their order and backlog levels are. Uh, Lamb Weston, which I believe is the big French fry company, their comments are going to be rather interesting on the opening uh, of restaurants uh, and um, the like. MSC Industrial, this is gonna be a great fit for the industrial economy. Uh, Simply Good Foods, that ties with our cleaner living investment theme. Is demand continuing to pick up? Are people opting for healthier alternatives? And speaking of healthier alternatives, Constellation Brands <laughs> reporting on Thursday, 
be interesting to see because I think during the pandemic, one of the surprising things was that the hard alcohol consumption went up much more, both wine and hard alcohol went up significantly, but hard alcohol went up much more significantly. It'll be interesting to hear what their outlook is now that we are, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Agreed. And, and with that, when ConAgra reports, are they starting, to, are they, what, what's their expectation? Do they see a more normalized trend uh, right. for their predominantly frozen food, frozen food portfolio compared to what they saw during the pandemic? But, you know, yeah. and, and confirming whether or not we all might have put on a couple pounds during the pandemic, let's hear what Levi Strauss has to say about their outlook for denim demand uh, over the coming months. That's why we got the Lululemon, right? <laughs> <laughs> one puts it on, the other one takes it off. <laughs> well, well, how about we, we take I, a quick... I, to be fair, I think those yoga pants help people hide it a little bit too. Oh, I, you mean they're not for wine drinking? <laughs> 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 so how about we take a quick look at the economic data from last week? Um, so Thursday of last week, we had great PMI data out of Europe, which pretty much everything was higher than expected. The Eurozone as a whole hit a record high. So that's all great on the manufacturing side. Not a surprise given, you know, really tight lock starting up and you're going to get, you're going to get production that's a lot stronger than expected. Now I'll point out though that China saw their manufacturing disappointed actually to the downside, getting kind of close to a flatline. And also keep in mind when we're looking at this PMI data, it's a coincident indicator, not a leading indicator. Um, what I thought was also really interesting last week was the Thursday, the weekly jobless claims. After the week before, we'd seen a new low. There was expectation that we would see a bit of an increase, right? Because we saw this record low. We were going to have a higher one. It was going to increase about 17,000. It actually rose 61,000 to 719,000 for the week. And to put that in context, prior to the pandemic, the highest we'd ever seen ever was 695. And now we're pretty much constantly over 700. Now, as we're recording this before the March employment report comes yeah. out, I, I will note it, that the, I think over the course of the week, the expectations for that report have kind of come down. I think early in the week, there, there was some forecast for like, like a million jobs being created. And I, and I, and this morning before um, the weekly jobless claims, I think the consensus range was 620 to 680,000 jobs created in March. I suspect that number is going to come down. Yeah, they because the ADP private payroll report for March, which we got last Wednesday, it came in slightly below expectations. And I think just taking a step back to one of the things to be looking at with this is that a lot of the jobs that we're seeing be added, actually lower paying jobs, which is not good for the economy overall. You're but, losing but, higher paying jobs and replacing them with lower paying jobs. Right. But does this in some way confirm that the reopening is happening? It, it, the reopening is happening, that's definitely there, but the reality check is just how, how long is it gonna take to, for us to get back to where we were? And even more importantly, how long is it gonna take for us to get to where we would have been had we not had the pandemic, mm -hmm, right? Because mm -hmm. it's one thing to get back to year ago levels, it's another thing entirely to get back on the path that we were. Uh, if, if we were to look at just March's pace for job additions, it's going to take another 17 months to get back to where employment was before the pandemic. And it, even more so, it's going to take more like 40 months to get back to where we would have been 
had the pandemic job trend line not been hit <laughs> and I, we continued I, on with jobs like we were before. I, I think what you're saying is that that Biden relief check is not the reality check you're looking for. Yeah, no, exactly. People want that, um, which interesting pointing out that that check. So the Atlanta Fed one more time dropped its estimate for Q1 GDP. Now, keep in mind at the start of March, uh, estimate for the first quarter was at a 10% growth. Then it was dropped to 8.3 in the middle of March. Well, a week prior, a week after that, it was down to 5.6. And now Atlanta Fed is saying 4.7%. And that is after Uncle Sam has doled out about $2.8 trillion in just four months, which is about 15% of GDP. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. Now, you were telling me something about General Mills. Yeah. Um, so going through just announcements, earning reports, what we're hearing, mm -hmm. seeing what's everyone seeing? What are these, these company executives seeing when they look out? Um, General Mills is actually thinking that dining out is going to recover more slowly than people are expecting. Um, in fact, the CEO said, I would envision an environment where demand is not as high as it is today for in-home eating, but it's higher than it was pre-pandemic. And I think some investors and some analysts feel as if a volume is just going to go snapping back to the way it was before the pandemic. And what we've seen outside the U.S. and what we're currently seeing in our current channel will lead us to believe that any return to normal will be more elongated and that the return to normal will eventually, and to the return to a normal that will eventually be different. That, that to me says like they're banking on you continuing to eat cocoa puffs. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> well, it's like we've seen with a lot of things. It's we're never going back to 2019. Exactly. You know, the, the work mm -hmm. from home, some form of working from home or working near home is going to continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The exercising from home, more of that is going to continue. And the dining out versus dining in, we've all gotten to be better chefs. I, true. But I, I, you know, there were some comments from the Landry's CEO this week. They're, they're a private company. They own Morton's mm -hmm. and the like. And they were saying that their, their business is booming. And I think some of that might be because people want to get out. But I also think that that high-end dining, which tends to be um, a little more insulated, will probably come back sooner than day-to-day -day regular eat out, like you might to go out to IHOP for breakfast or something like right. that. Okay. Now, uh, the Biden, what about yeah, Biden? Biden, Biden, Biden? Yeah, so I think what's, looking at the Biden plan, and there's a lot of details to get hashed out, but one of the things to keep in mind if this thing is looking more likely to pass is while that 2.25 trillion in spending is going to come out over an eight year period, the plan is to hike corporate tax rates from 21 to 28% immediately. And that's going to really hurt earnings. That's a pretty significant increase. And it will cut profits by about 150 billion for the economy per year for the coming decade. So well, here's the other thing about that. If the corporate tax hike is immediate, it means that you're going to have, like you're saying, companies are going to have less, but let's talk about the timing for these infrastructure projects. I, I think we learned, you know, what was it? Six, eight years ago, no such thing, shovel ready projects, no. which, which means that it's going to take time to get approved time uh, for the spending to be unleashed time for the actual projects to be built and then time for them to be done to realize the benefits. Yeah, exactly. The, the time to actually for that spending to affect the economy in a positive way 
it that's elongated and the time for the benefit of having that better infrastructure that's really far out but the pain is today and i think that's that is going to be a really tough one to pass because you're saying well i'm still dealing with a pandemic i'm going to actually hurt the economy today <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic with the promise yeah, yeah, that at some yeah. point in the future it's going to be better that's going to be a tough conversation yeah well look i i don't think we i think we agree that Something needs to be done on infrastructure. I think yeah. the rock oh, in the absolutely. hard place. The rock in the hard place for Biden is yeah. that he he has to explain how to pay for it after all the stimulus that's already been unleashed. Yeah, not going to be easy. So, more, what are you looking more, for? Well, I, I think we can agree more to be had on this in the coming weeks. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is not going to be and talk about like slim margins in the House and Senate. This is going to be. It's going to take a while. This is not something that's going to get passed easily and quickly. Paper thin is my prediction. Yeah. Um, so you were about to say, what, what are we looking for this week in terms of economic data? Look, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to get um, the follow-on to the manufacturing PMI that you were talking mm-hmm. about. So we'll get a lot of services data this week, uh, principally from the four economic horsemen. That's going to be uh, Japan, China, uh, the Eurozone, and the US. And then really after that, the, the only report that I'm really well, there are two. There, there's the February consumer credit report because we want to see how, how consumers are faring. But the other one is going to be the March PPI report, just to keep a tab on inflation and see, is it really running hot or not? Hey, wasn't there an app like that? Am I hot or not? <laughs> swipe left, swipe right. I can't remember. Swipe, yeah, yeah. Which swiping? I don't know. You, you, you seem to go there pretty quickly. <laughs> I'll also be looking at inventories. Um, because we have been hearing from companies that were shifting away from this whole just-in-time manufacturing more towards a just-in-case, <laughs> as we've seen so much disruption with the overall supply chains. Well, I think that, Lenore, brings us to where we get to say that's the, the week, week ahead. ahead.